Welcome to the Thursday Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and boy, do we have a uh, a weird episode for you, huh? We start off with in the 11 out of the 18 in part one. In part two, it's Soccer Blog Book Club, although it's not really uh, soccer blog related. Soccer Podcast Book Club? It'll make sense. And then in part three, it's a bunch of quick hits on a number of different topics, including the fastest preview of the Chicago Fire game you have ever heard. And that'll be your Cincy Postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, I've got Grayson and I've got the Chief with me. And Chief, you're still trying to get rid of that book, yes? <laughs> yeah. So we had some an overwhelming response of one so far. So maybe people <laughs> skipped over this and thought it was an ad or thought I wasn't being serious. We are giving away a copy of Play On by Becky Zimmerman that I bought while I was drunk. And I need to give this book away because it's sitting on my coffee table and my wife is just glaring at it at all times that I actually bought this. If you want to win a copy of the book, it's real simple. Leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. And then when you do that, just get a screenshot of it and post it to the Discord or post it on Twitter so that we know it's you. Or send uh, us a DM. If send you us a DM if you don't want to if take. if you don't want to make it public, it's fine. Yeah. To do that your uh, review should in some way roast one of us for an awful take and give us five stars so guys we're trying to generate some buzz around this podcast we're doing this twice a week <laughs> we only make 60 cents an episode and maybe if we get a few more reviews maybe someone will offer us a dollar per episode and we can really really start raking in the bucks my whole goal with this episode i don't know about you guys my whole goal is for the episode to generate enough cash that every month one of us buys a DOS boot and we can enjoy a DOS boot at the stadium. Oh, now that is dreaming big. I think we can pull that off. That's my, all goal is to, my goal is to save money on therapy. <laughs> well, what better way? Like DOS boot is liquid therapy right there. You drink that and all yeah. your problems go away, I'm told. Yes, yes. Or, or enough money to buy a can of beer and pour it into a, a real boot and drink it like... Uh, Nick did in the Bailey this past weekend. <laughs> that was something else. I uh, caught up with him before the game, and he explained how he waterproofed one of his boots so that he could do that. So I was really happy that he was he was planning ahead and uh, didn't think to to waterproof both boots, just the one. No wasted effort with that guy. <laughs> just it was an incredible visual, and on a day when we were all complaining about how small Das boot was, it was nice to see someone really doing something with footwear inspired <laughs> drinking having it, said that all i yes. could think in my head was um do you remember those commercials that john madden used to do back in the day about boom tough acting to acting yes yes i think I, tough acting to acting i don't know three times a week like minimum it just pops into my head <laughs> yeah it's just like you should use it like you apply sunscreen with the facial spray after that that it should just be to directly to the facial area <laughs> but has there ever been a better pitch man for a product than John Madden in a foot fungus spray? Just I don't know. That just fits in a way that few, few celebrity endorsers truly does. He brought an authenticity to the endorsement where you thought, you know, he probably has tried all the various medications <laughs> and stand behind Stenactin. Yeah, I, I want to believe that if you bumped into John Madden at like an Arby's or something like that in line, 
and you ask them, hey, John, I have a persistent itch on my foot that won't go away, that he would actually have done the research on all the different products that you could use and would genuinely passionately believe that Tenactin was the right product for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, God. Um, so I don't know how to how to transition this too well, but we we do have a very full podcast lined up for you. And we got to start off, as always, on your Thursdays within the 11 out of the 18. And Grayson, I'm going to let you take us take us away here with uh, you're in the 11, you're out of the 18 here. OK, so in my 11 is. Uh, well, I. I this is not quite out of my 18, but let's just say out is uh, blackmailing the coach over your son's playing time. <laughs> In is suing the coach, the organization, and Major League Soccer over your son's playing time. Um, I would be very what? careful here, okay? <laughs> what? I'm going to be very, very careful here. I'm not going to use anybody's names because there are minors involved. But um, through some time wasting, I came across a lawsuit filed against FC Dallas, Major League Soccer, uh, some individual coaches over uh, by a parent of an FC Dallas Academy player. Um, so what happened was the player, um, for whatever reason, was playing with a uh, age group that the father felt was below his son's talents. Okay. And um, he complained about it. Uh, the as, son, as, as you do. The son played with that age group. I think it actually was like his appropriate age group, but his dad felt that he played, that he should have been playing up an age group. Oh God. In the yep. academy system. And he got hurt. And ac according to the complaint, it's because the lower level of the quality of play made it unsafe for his more skilled son to play with them. So he got <laughs> hand it to him. That's pretty creative. I like that. Yeah. So, so he got, he got hurt and, um, now the, the family is suing FC Dallas, major league soccer, the Academy coaches for, uh, $40 million in Dallas court. And, um, the dad is a lawyer. So I want to just, again, like I'm not going to use anybody's names and I really don't want to get any more detailed because there's like medical, uh, like I was able to access some court documents and there's like x-ray <laughs> pictures and stuff and I don't want to like, I don't want to like. Man, I just find a stupid story on Reddit. You're going through the court documents on this fucking thing. <laughs> it's, the, Dallas has a very easy to use court record system. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> He's got um, miners x-rays up on his screen. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I do actually have have some x-ray <laughs> pictures up right now. But, it's but the, um, if HIPAA didn't apply in the state of Texas, that would be like the least shocking fact of all time. So but uh, in in this uh, complaint that's filed by uh, the the family, uh, the the father made the father who's a who's a lawyer down in Dallas. Uh, made the decision to include a full text copy of his email laying out because he had two sons in the system laying out like a litany of gripes with i guess like how the coaches have like 
treated his sons. And again, like I'm not going to go into those because I think there's it would be too many like personal details to like carve out. But I do want to just read the last two paragraphs. Okay. All right. So after writing this really, really long email uh, with all of their complaints, he clearly thought like, well, you know, I might be getting a reputation here of being kind of a headache and maybe that's going to get. Oh, you don't say. And huh. So huh. what he what he writes is disclaimer, bold underline. Is this an illegal filing? He writes disclaimer in bold letters. Well, this is in an email that he's okay. that he's Attached. incorporated into okay. a legal okay. into a legal filing. Disclaimer. I want to be sure no narrative is created that I, as their father, am the problem. My boys have been with FC Dallas for three years, and in the three years, this conversation that began this summer is the only set of communications related to playing status I have ever had with the club. During this three-year period of time, I have had zero conversations with various named coaches or any other coach who has guided my sons out of respect for your wishes of parents. I have had one conversation with, um, okay, Pa, Pa, Pa Motuka, who is right. an FCC Society connection here. Yeah. Oh, just, shit. <laughs> and this was a great talk both ways. Actually, there was another conversation regarding my son's HIPAA rights being violated with his disclosure to parents and other kids for being the first COVID case at FC Dallas. My wife and I have been respectful to all, as have my sons. My sons have always given their best, been respectful to all coaches have been outstanding students, and they've been good to their teammates off of the field. At some point, I encourage there to be communications with the parents of kids because at current, there is none, and this is going to cause FC Dallas to lose talent. Um, it just reads to me as like a situation where it's like, you're starting to have second thoughts about the, about the email, you know? <laughs> and instead of like thinking like, oh, maybe I shouldn't send this, you're like, no, I'm going to make it better by writing more. Right. Keep going. This this reminds me so much of are you guys familiar with the famous story about the guy that wrote a complaint letter to the Cleveland Browns because people were folding paper airplanes and folding the game program into paper airplanes and throwing them around the stadium and he got hit in the head by a paper airplane. This was back yeah. in the seventies. It's like one of those he complains and the Browns write him a letter back. I just pulled it up while you were talking because it's this is I feel like the team should have responded. So for this long complaint letter for a guy who was a lawyer, the Browns send this response back. Dear Mr. Cox, attached is a letter that we received on November 19th, 1974. I feel that you should be aware that some asshole is signing your name to stupid letters. Very truly yours, James <laughs> F. Bailey, Cleveland Stadium Corp. General Counsel. I, I remember this. this that, that's, that's very good. That's, that's a solid response. I like the idea of suing. That's Same. good. Oh, yeah. No, as I, I think more work for lawyers is always a good thing. I don't know why I think that, but I think that. But like, I think that there should be more things litigated in a court of law. Like if a guy loses his starting job in the NFL, like a quarterback, I want to see a lawsuit. I want to see Jameis Winston sue that he got benched for Andy Dalton in week 10. Why? Because I would love to see a jury trial over who's a better quarterback, Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston. And it's just basically the legal equivalent of the Spider-Man meme with two people pointing at one another. I'm here for this. Televise this shit. Yep. I mean, it is it is sort of like how our society is set up to solve these sort of disputes, because you're sort of like forcing the other person to prove that there was no, I don't know, malice behind their decision. Like, was it was it? 
were they benching Jameis Winston because of racial reasons? Like, let's drag this out. Like, let's have fun with this and and see what all we can uncover. There's some big Perry Mason moment where it turns out the general manager of the Saints is heavily invested in like some seafood property or some seafood corporation and he's held a grudge ever since he's been eating those w's out of house and home <laughs> um it, it is interesting that that there's like never because they're employees just like right. other employees yeah like it's it's Union interesting that there's, that there's never uh like employment discrimination lawsuits over it's, over like getting cut from a team or getting uh benched or whatever and you're taking away, you know, some sort of like promise of future wages, even yeah. though it's like a, a verbal thing. Like, hey, keep doing well. You'll keep going up there. You can be like, all right, man, I did literally everything you asked me. Where are all these future wages you told me about? Hey, how much uh, how much more fun would the 90s have been if Keyshawn Johnson, instead of writing a book, just throw me the damn ball? had sued the New York Jets for not throwing him the ball often enough and like named Vinny Testaverde as a named plaintiff that by not throwing him the football, he is impeding his earning potential. He is limiting him in scope because really aren't receptions kind of like promotion opportunities in, yes. in, the, in the business world. Oh, especially if it's uh, like tied to a bonus, right? A receptions or touchdown bonus. So is a, <laughs> is a quarterback who is, is a quarterback, a supervisor? of other members of the field he is a game manager yeah does it change your answer does it change your answer if the quarterback calls their own plays (laughs) now that's very interesting i mean he goes from like yeah like supervisor yeah michael vick is not a supervisory employee but brad johnson is because or trent dilfer because they were both game managers (laughs) yes now this gets even worse if you think about it on the defensive side so like revis Island was the idea that nobody ever threw at Darrell Rivas because it was just an impossible task. So he never got interceptions because nobody threw the ball at him. Can he sue opposing quarterbacks for not giving him the opportunity to get those interceptions? See, I like this too. Maybe if it was a single entity structure, yes. like, uh, like MLS. <laughs> Yeah, they're all like co-workers. <laughs> so if, not so, distributing it evenly. Yeah. So this weekend, Nick Hagland isn't playing because he's on he is on a red card, right? Shouldn't he be able to sue that and say that that red card is denying him the opportunity to meaningfully compete? Like if Ian Murphy steals his job this weekend. Yeah. It was really the referee who we learned is he's an employee MLS <laughs> that is artificially. Yeah. So oh I think um what was his name? Eric Reed did he was the other guy who like kneeled around the same time that Kaepernick did. Yeah, I okay. remember. He um, was the guy that started the kneeling with Kaepernick, right? Wasn't he like the teammate yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he they may have been on the same team. And I think he tried to I think he tried I think he did try to sue the NFL for uh uh boycotting him. But um, and I, I may be wrong about this because it's it's been a number of years. But I think that he had to take it to arbitration because the NFL has oh, um, it's union. has arbitration in their in their labor agreement. Right. 
this That's is all hilarious. This is also a reason why I really need them to renew the Orville for a fourth season, because we got in the 90s with Star Trek, where they tried to make the Ferengis the ultimate capitalists. They tried to make them the villains, and then they eventually became the comedy relief. I need them to visit a planet where the race is all people that solve all their disputes by lawsuits. Like everyday occurrences are solved by a lawsuit. You didn't get the grade you wanted in class lawsuit. You didn't get, um, you know, somebody cut you off in traffic lawsuit. You know, we solve everything that way. And it's just this, they go to litigation planet. It would be I'm surprised they haven't done an episode like that, to be honest with you. It would be interesting <laughs> because everybody would be so stuck in discovery. It would end up being a society without privacy that like literally every second of your life needed to be publicly accounted for and every thought and every act needed to be logged somewhere because you were just dealing with so many lawsuits. You needed to always be able to prove where you were, what you were doing, what who you were talking to. Well, not only no privacy, you would also have no garbage, right? Because you couldn't throw anything away because that <laughs> yes. could potentially be destruction of valuable evidence for any suit that could arise. All right. Out of my out of my 18. <laughs> um, I don't want to I don't want to step on I, I don't know what I don't know what you're gonna be listening, Kevin. And I don't think we talked about this on the podcast. Uh-oh. Um out of my 18 is that Sunny Delight Hard Seltzer. <laughs> Please shit on them. Um, I'm, I'm against this. I'm against this. Like, I'm against. I'm against taking like a child, a child beverage, yes, and then making it alcoholic for nostalgia reasons. But you don't want because, hard ecto cooler, right? No, I don't want that. I think that we as adults should be drinking something that doesn't taste very good. I mean, like, you should be drinking like a bitter cocktail, right? You should be. You should be drinking alcohol that tastes like alcohol like um it's it reminds me of one of the reasons i stopped listening to the total soccer show podcast is because i felt like their portfolio of of products they advertise are aimed at like like emotionally stunted depressed 35 year old men because it'd be like all right we're doing hymns we're doing better help oh and then we're doing like uh this serial subscription where yes. you can buy like basically fruit loops but it's healthy so uh, that, ma- like magic spoon yes i also listen to podcasts yeah, you're you're tricking yourself into eating like healthy food but be, but you need like your little sugar cereal that you had as an 8 year old because like i don't know i think part of being an adult is like having like a you want to eat healthy go eat a piece of broccoli all right, so there's there's a lot to unpack with this take. So what I what I what I what I took from this 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 thing here, Grayson, is you found that you were embarrassed by watching listening to a show, and we've all been there where you see what's being advertised and you realize, oh god, I probably shouldn't be watching this. Yeah, like you know you 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 watch daytime television, you know when you're not working for whatever reason, or you work from home, and you're like, I'm going to throw the prices right on. I haven't watched that in a while, and you realize that every commercial is for reverse mortgages or denture cream, or you know, <laughs> or accident injury lawyers, right, or like yes. personal injury lawyers, <laughs> and you realize the only people that are watching this are are ninety year olds. Or people that are sitting around thinking, man, who can I sue to make a quick buck? And it's, you know what? Maybe I don't want to lump myself in with these people. So I'm going to (laughs) remove myself from being associated, even demographically with the same people that listen to this show. So we've all been there on that. I've, I've, I've found myself watching television and said, oh, shit. I really don't want to be associated with people that need survival meals in a bucket. I probably need to watch something else instead. (laughs) Right. I... Uh, 
I agree with your main point, though, Grayson, that Sunny Delight, like taking a child product and making it alcoholic, it feels very similar to how like cotton candy vapes were outlawed and things like that. Like, at what point are you not just actually marketing this to children like on on one end and the other end is how does a a small child differentiate between their sunny delight and mom's sunny delight in the fridge and you don't accidentally end up poisoning lots of children drinking the wrong product i also am am anti-vape i think people should just smoke cigarettes so (laughs) yes there's there's an undertone here from grayson that i'm taking away from this and that's that so when you're a kid you drink kids stuff you drink sunny d you drink you know i think there should be alcoholic capri suns just because i think it would be a tremendous way to cut yourself off if you become too drunk to actually stab the pouch correctly to continue drinking like when the pouch stabbing (laughs) becomes too hard it's like you know what i'm done for the night i'm just gonna put this away i think more alcohol should be served in that form because i don't think i would get over my skis as often less boots more pouches um but the undertone with i don't want vaping you should smoke cigarettes i don't think you should drink this isn't part of the fun of growing up that you don't have to drink fruit juice, that you can go to the bar and you can order a cocktail. Like nobody wanted to, everyone wanted to be James Bond. James Bond isn't drinking a high noon as his drink of choice. He's classy. He's getting a vodka martini. That's what you want to be. When you grow up, you want to be a man that kills people, wears nice suits and drinks nice alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is, he's ordering a drink. He wouldn't be as cool if he was drinking, you know, fucking, what is it, Sunny D, hard Sunny D. Or I saw this thing the other day. It's a Barstool Sports is promoting pirate water, 10% ABV in a can. And I can't think of anything I want to drink less than whatever that is. Is it grog? I believe this is a new line of product, given my line of work. I'm exposed to many things like this. Um, this is just alcoholic water. So well, we've dropped water, any I've pretense of flavor. It is just, you drink this, you think it's water, and you are secretly getting drunk? I don't understand the appeal. That's, but- um, that's like every like movie and TV show about um, somebody, about like, somebody's alcoholism has like a scene where they're like trying to sneak their like vodka and water in the work with like their water bottle. (laughs) And this sounds like this sounds like a product that is just, it's like they should just package it with like a weekend at like Betty Ford. (laughs) (laughs) It comes with the, the uh, how to file for unemployment in your state information. Actually, this is not bad. Remember how you used to do like the Pepsi points? Yes. Yeah. You could do like, you could do like the pirate water points where if you get like 2000 pirate water points, you get a free trip to, to dry out. (laughs) Or no, it's, it's, you get, you get so many points with pirate water and you think you're winning an all inclusive like trip to Las Vegas. And just when you board the plane, they take you to the rehab clinic. It's like, trust us, it's for your own good. Yeah, you've reached a milestone (laughs) nobody should have reached here. Yeah, 100,000 points is a family intervention. Um, I do need to come clean here and be very clear that I specifically targeted and shed on the sunny delight uh because they did not go with our company uh for for their product so (laughs) so is there a product we should be drinking instead that would you know maybe 
everybody I know and everybody I talk to loves hard monsters. So <laughs> unleash your inner beast and uh, <laughs> watch the uh, how to with John Wilson episode about energy drinks. <laughs> Please don't. Will you, um, <laughs> will, will you let Will you let me know if that the sales on that take off? Because I'm going to immediately call a stockbroker and invest in the company that makes those drywall patches that you can buy at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, I was very disappointed to learn though they uh, they did not go f the four loco route. I don't even know if this is legal or not. Uh, there is no caffeine in the hard monster. Sadly. So what? So what makes it a monster? The flavor, you know, everybody drinks monster part. for the flavor. <laughs> the fuck? Maybe, maybe the white one tastes good. Uh, that's about as close as I can I, get. I'm, I'm <laughs> terrified of what that tastes like. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't see who the target market is for this. I took two sips like, of the it, hard Mountain like Dew and gave the, up. It's the white one. What is it? Milk flavored? <laughs> it should be. It's like alcoholic <laughs> half and half. Fight milk from uh, Fight. Oh, white <laughs> Fight milk. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hard chocolate milk. That's like really where this is all heading to. <laughs> Soon. Oh, God. Chief, in the 11 out of the 18, what do you got for us? In my 11 is brackets. So today yes. is NCAA tournament day. The kick tournament kicks off officially because. Like a true sports fans, I don't recognize the first four. That's not part of the tournament. That's a game yes. to play into the tournament. You are not yet part of the tournament in the play-in game. So, no, your team did not make the NCAAs if you're playing in Dayton and you lose. Sorry. Um, I hate to hurt feelings, but facts don't care about your feelings. I love brackets. I love tournament brackets. I especially love tournament brackets when the Xavier Musketeers are playing. Uh, number three seed playing in Greensboro. Uh, by the time you listen to this, there is a 50-50 chance that I have ruined my marriage and started driving to Greensboro to go to this game. Uh, your boy was at the Garden, the Mecca, this past weekend. For those of us on the podcast that went to Georgetown, the um, Madison Square Garden is where if you win games there, you eventually can compete to win the Big East. I know that hasn't happened recently for the When's Georgetown the last time Xavier won the Big East tournament? About as recently as Georgetown, I think. So More recently than 2021? Ooh. We don't talk about that. <laughs> Georgetown also didn't win the Big East in 2021. You guys getting Rick Patino? Yeah, what's happening over there? Sounds like not. Yeah. But no, Georgetown he... did win the Big East tournament in 2021. Why'd you fire Patrick Ewing? He's a championship head coach. <laughs> this is nonsense. Anyway, oh, I, I love, love bra I love brackets. Um, I think more sports should use brackets. I will continue <laughs> beating this drum forever that the U.S. Open Cup should immediately switch to a bracket format. Um, I don't know why they don't. I think it's stupid that they don't. America just like, there is no better way to get Americans to start paying attention to a sporting contest than by telling them that you can fill out a bracket to follow along with it. Um, so yeah, brackets in the 11. Love them. I'm filling one out. Uh, Xavier not going all the way because I like winning money more than I like the Xavier Musketeers. Um, so yeah, brackets. Yeah, fair enough. I always love filling out a uh, a not college basketball bracket that comes out around this time. It's always a fun one. Um, I'm still shook that Georgetown won that tournament. I have I have completely blocked that out of my mind. I have no recollection of that happening. Um, this is like legitimate some Mandela effect shit. I don't remember this at all. 
Why don't they do a bracket for the U.S. Open Cup? Like, why? Why? Like, it is. Why would you not? I don't think they figure it out more than like two weeks before any game. Okay, so maybe try that once. One time, just try thinking about the Open Cup. I know people don't want to think about it for more than five minutes, but try thinking about it more than once, one time for more than five minutes. Why wouldn't you, if you're a fan of some smaller team, a USL team, why wouldn't you want to know what your path to the, 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 the win is? Why yes. wouldn't you want to know? You can still do the coin flip for hosting in each game. You don't have to go by higher seed or lower seed. You can still do that shit. I would give the lower seed the right of first refusal because some of them can't. Some of them would prefer not to. And if you have the dates ahead of time, that would help so many of those amateur teams and even semi-professional teams where – they have, are using like a community field or even a high school stadium. And it would be so much easier for them to go to their facility manager and be like, hey, we want to go ahead and reserve this, you know, this field for this time. Can we have it? Because right now it's this mad scramble at the end, uh, you know, right before games are played. And, you know, you have lights being turned off on fields and fields aren't booked and stuff. It's, it's a terrible situation. It would help logistically. And they should also know. pick a stadium to host it at. Um, the Ooh. U.S. Open Cup should always be at a neutral site for the championship. Uh, you know, they do that over in the FA Cups at a neutral site. And it doesn't like there's this idea that you have to be a big sport in order for this to work. They host the College World Series in Omaha. Yes. OK, like no one gives a shit about college baseball. And because they've made it a thing. It's a thing. People go to Omaha for the College World Series. The Little League World Series is in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. People go there for that. You could pick someplace like, okay, if they're going to build that stadium in Indianapolis that they're talking about for the Indy 11, host it in Indianapolis every year. That's a great city for a single type event. They've got shitloads of hotels. They host the Combine there. The Super Bowl has been there, I think, once. Like, just do it there. No, that would be... That'd make too much sense. Um, my vote throw it in a Dallas, connect it to the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame, make it a make it a whole thing there. Right? Also works. So, oh my gosh, uh, Chief, what are you taking out of the eighteen though? Out of the eighteen is Nerf Wars. Um, <laughs> so where where are we going with this? <laughs> We're gonna go wherever you want, Grayson. Um, <laughs> it sounds like uh, just. My only message to the crowd out there is if you if you're involved in a nerf war, stay safe out there. Um, <laughs> and for the love of God, make sure that you're not running around naked near a residence where someone may or may not have firearms handy. So nerf wars out of my 18. It is funny that in a world where I don't know, according to polling, lots of suburban families are concerned about gun violence in the U.S. And at the same time, a favorite pastime of suburban children, specifically suburban men uh, in high school, is to run around with fake guns and to fake shoot each other in these neighborhoods where lots of people own guns. And it was... I don't know. It feels inevitable that some bad combination of these two facts would come together. I don't... This... I'm just know, surprised it hasn't happened earlier. That it's kids of a school age, maybe coming around schools with items that may or may not shoot projectiles. I just it's yeah. I don't understand why are nerf wars still allowed? That was the, my main takeaway without getting into the criminal liability of someone who may or may not make a lot of money wearing orange and black. Um, 
why are nerf wars still allowed to be a thing it feels like we should stop this that this should be like this is something that like joe biden wants to get on tv and make a difference like let's stop nerf wars specifically um I will co-sign that, but I will say quit being pussies and make them paintball wars because the idea that you can shoot a foam dart a hundred yards away and claim a hit on somebody is absurd. Just use paintballs. They're not expensive. It is, would... paint... is paintball still a thing? Do people still paintball? Like There used to be adult paintball enthusiasts and they were like the weirdest friend you knew. No, they're still going and it's even weirder like it just it's been taken up a whole nother level so now if you're like really into uh competitive paintball you might actually go back the other way and be into like competitive airsoft where they're using metal bbs to shoot each other with fake sniper rifles and stuff it's a whole thing if you're listening to this and you're into paintball or airsoft do one of two things either join the military or start playing call of duty like one of the two it's a better use of your time get into hunting i feel like you get a lot of the same juices flowing stalking a deer i don't know there was there was just a story on 60 minutes this past weekend because yes i'm 70 years old and i watched 60 minutes (laughs) about they have a out of control wild horse population in wyoming i want to say but they won't ever hunt horses because people like horses too much they're too cuddly of an animal let's open season on horses you can go don't do north wars go kill horses in wyoming they're apparently an invasive species i had no idea about this till they started talking about it son of a gun i know sign, sign me up <laughs> oh god <laughs> well uh just, grayson's just watching gonna... grayson's reactions right here he wants you want to weigh in go ahead throw a take out here come on yeah the only bad take is the one you keep to yourself Oh, no, that's... no. I, I I just want to make clear we're not we're not advocating people to join the military, play Call of Duty, or shoot horses, <laughs> um, unless <laughs> unless either the military Call of Duty or the uh, anti uh, horse lobby wants to uh, sponsor this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. The anti-horse lobby. Now that is a group you got to watch out for. <laughs> it's it's the Elmer Glued uh, Foundation. <laughs> um, Kevin in the eight in in the eleven. Uh, so Grayson's going to hate this in terms of not growing up in my 11 is Zelda games because baby I'm back. I had, I had taken some time off. I finally beat Majora's mask. Uh, I finally checked that off the old to-do list just what, 20 years later and, uh, just started playing breath of the wild again, like 10 years later, whatever it is. And, uh, I'm absolutely loving these games. And I know, Chief, this is just setting up your silent protagonist take here. But um, just supremely enjoyable, well-crafted games. And uh, I guess you have time to build a good game world when you don't write a fucking script for the game. Wow. Okay, so I'll give you that so far on Breath of the Wild. But Majora's Mask, dark and creepy as hell. Okay. Creative storytelling. Love it. It was also the 90s. Okay, that was the the N64. It was 1999. (laughs) We have progressed 20 years in video gaming. Like they're these games are art now. And they like they rival the quality of Hollywood productions in terms of cost, in terms of talent of people working on them. You can have a script. You can tell a story. You don't have to do the silent protagonist bullshit. It stopped being cute after Chrono Trigger. Okay. Just 
voice the goddamn game tell a story it's it's not enough just be oh this game is so much fun to play there's a higher standard now it's called the witcher like it's okay like they've shown you the way forward do better i didn't i don't so i don't i don't i don't play games i don't i think people i don't have a problem with people playing games because you know it's a pastime and part of uh shared culture but i really had no idea how much storytelling there is in games until um a friend of mine showed me these videos on youtube that they do where they do side by side of uh episodes of the last of us Mm. with like scenes from the video games yeah the last of us and like it really raised two questions to me like one is um what is the show even bringing to the table here yeah. To, for, for, like, what, what is the writers of this show doing exactly? It's for it's for um, you. No, it, this I'll answer that question. It is directly for Grace and Chalmers. It is yes. for someone who you would never pick up a controller to play The Last of Us, but it's an incredible story. It's very well written. It's very well told. And this is for the eighty percent of the population that will never play the video game, but would absolutely get caught up in the story. So, congratulations. It's for you, Grayson. You're the target really? audience. <laughs> and my other question is like, at what, what's the gameplay of this game? Because like the scenes that they're showing seem to be like pretty like fully contained scenes, like yes. beginning, middle, and end. So, so at what point am I playing this game? So this is this is a critique I have of this very specific genre of game that The Last of Us is. Um, the other one that this same developer worked on, Naughty Dog, is uh, the Uncharted series, which became a, a fairly large motion picture film uh, as well. They're called uh, ghost train rides in that you are you, the the gamer, are put in like a dark ride, like at Disney World or, or something where you're put on a train and you get to see these things as it takes you around. And then you get to get out and do some action. So you kill the zombies or you you shoot the bad guys and then you get back in the car and then you you follow along and you get to watch more of the cars. So yeah, they are I'll, they are I'll very pu- much movies written first and then sort of backfilled into video games. That's actually pretty realistic where it's like you get the opportunity to like go outside and like run around a bit, but like the material things that happen in your life are already predetermined and they're just done to you. Yeah, (laughs) just life on rails. I'll push back a little bit on that on The Last of Us, just because that game, at the very least, there was a strategy element to how you completed each level. Like you could go in if you were good enough at the game and guns blazing, kill all the zombies, kill all the people. Or you could choose to, like I did, sneak around and spend an hour or two hours analyzing how to get through every situation because I'm just so terribly bad at twitch reflexes in games. Yeah, this is this is kind of the the point now where video games are really starting to stretch their creative legs in that you want to be able to tell the story via gameplay. So uh, if you look at it in that lens, any cutscene, any sort of pre-rendered video is a bad thing. You want to avoid those as much as possible. You want the sense of discovery. You want the character development to happen through the gameplay uh, itself. So, yeah, I, I just I. It's yeah, of, no, I, I want to tell me a good story and l- let me have some fun playing along with it. But I don't need this immersive create your own narrative bullshit. This goes back to Zelda. It's like, no, 
tell me a good story. Let me slash some shit. Let me beat some monsters. Let me solve some puzzles, do some cool stuff. But at the end of the day, I rarely play a video game anymore because, oh, wow, this game is a ton of fun to play. I What keeps me playing a game is I'm very entertained with this story and I want to see where it's going next. Yeah, fair. So fair. All right, that's me. Old man uh, shouts at video game cloud. <laughs> I want to see the medium grow, baby. So many new off opportunities and possibilities. Uh, no, out of my 18, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring this back to soccer for a second, but only <sighs> briefly, only briefly. Uh, we all enjoyed this past week where uh, Austin lost to a, a Haitian team playing in the Dominican Republic in front of a majestic tree. Well, it turns out that same Haitian team only has visas for 10 players and two coaches and has apparently filled out the rest of their roster by signing technically short-term contracts to a bunch of former pros in and around the city of Austin and Texas to sort of flesh out that roster there. And I'm taking out of the 18 um, just like U.S. immigration and labor laws that just don't account for competitions like this. Like, I don't know what law needs to be passed, what reform needs to happen. But the fact that a team can't come here to play a competitive game and leave uh, feels really bad and looks like a dumb thing for the U.S. And I don't know. I guess you have more time to prepare for, like, the Olympics. But, like... If our goal is to have a competitive advantage by having it really hard to get to the U.S., we should just be denying every visa for every foreign, you know, competitor in a in an Olympics or World Cup hosted in the U.S. Because this is a little ridiculous, and I feel really bad for this team. So, putting I guess the entire immigration system out of the out of the eighteen this wow. week. Wow, you and Brave. Sheriff Jones, Kevin. <laughs> Brave. <laughs> so is the headline is the alternate headline on this US government also unaware CONCACAF Champions League exists? <laughs> More likely, yes. <laughs> I just it feels weird that there isn't some sort of short-term competition exception or something. So how do people get in know. for the gold cup? I guess they pre-arrange that they know they're on the roster two months ahead of time. I, I don't know if it's a so, timing thing or something. So did this article correct if it's figure out if it's, is this a fuck up on this team's part? They just didn't register the team in the proper amount of time. Was there like paperwork they could have filled out to do this? Or was there genuinely no way they could bring their team over for a short term? Now, you'll be shocked to learn that there is not a real publication tracking this. I am I am looking at people that appear to be reliable sources on Twitter tweeting this. There so I, I, I don't know. But apparently, uh, Haiti's prime minister is lobbying on behalf of this team. So um, I, I don't know how far up this goes. But yeah, I imagine on some level, if this amateur team that won the Caribbean League that had a uh, a better legal team representing them. They might have known to get certain paperwork in in time, but... Could Michael LaFood play for them? I think the question is, is he going to play for them? <laughs> and the answer is probably. I, like, I don't know who all they're getting, these guys. I know Clint Dempsey has a team in the soccer tournament, so maybe they won a couple of minutes. Like, <laughs> what, if they just, what if they just at Manu Ledesma? He'd show up, right? He popped up, what? Uh, Las Vegas Lights. Contract, Las Vegas Lights, yeah. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, why not? The Austin Bold folded, so I'm sure there's a couple of guys floating around. Um, but yeah, just just sad that that this uh, this team, which has a three nothing lead over Austin, by the way, uh, may be completely knocked out due to uh, due to paperwork rather than competition. So, ah, uh, well. Um, I think it'll do it for in the eleven out of the eighteen. Do we want to tackle? Uh, coming up next, this the uh, the soccer blog book club. Grayson, are you ready? I'm ready. Soccer blog book club in gigantic air quotes. This is going to be a little a little navel gazily, but we'll we'll this enjoy is this. A, this is a soccer blog in the same way. This is a soccer podcast. This is a soccer <laughs> yes. pod book club. I did appreciate whoever it was on on the FC Cincinnati subreddit that there was a thread that came out about favorite FCC <laughs> podcast earlier this week. And um, there were two reviews I want to highlight that go to that point. Number one, somebody named Fibber. So I hope he's telling the truth on this one. Postcast is barely an FCC podcast. It's just three people rambling on about anything and everything for hours at a time with the occasional mention of FC Cincinnati, which. <laughs> and then somebody else, uh, Mancake88. Postcast is my favorite FCC podcast. CST is my favorite podcast about FC Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Take those reviews, put those on the podcast app of choice. You too could win a copy of Play On by Becky Zimmerman. It's right there for the taking. No, Grayson, let's let's dive into this. Um, All right. So this one this one comes to us courtesy of the failing New York Times. Oh man. And the, he- the headline is, would you date a podcast, bro? <laughs> I think Me all personally, three of us, no, my wife wouldn't enjoy that. Right, too all, much. Three yeah, of us no. are, all three of us are married. <laughs> uh, so it's not really relevant to us, but maybe relevant to some folks out there. Uh, Tazani Roberson, a student at California State University, Northridge was approaching one year of on-again, off-again dating with a co-worker when she came to a realization she would eventually announce to her followers on Twitter. My biggest mistake in life so far was dating a man with a podcast. <laughs> what a life you've led if the, if the worst thing that's happened in your life is dating a podcaster. Right. And also, like, unpack what, what is the road that led you there? Surely the you can find mistake. something that, that took you in a wrong direction it's the biggest mistake though so it could actually be a little humble brag that they don't make very many mistakes bad things surely happen to them but they're not their fault right (laughs) or it could be some really religious thing like those weren't mistakes those are things god intended to happen but this this was all me (laughs) ms roberson 24 began began seeing him in december 2021 so she's 24 now in 2023 Okay. Began seeing him in December 2021. I think the timeline here is important. Yeah. He was 35 at the time and had <laughs> dreams of being a social media influencer. Oh, she recalled. No. So, oh, so, no. so, okay, so he's so not on. a podcast, bro. He's a social media influencer, bro. And he's 35. And he's 35. He's so he's maybe was... not a bro at this point. All right. So, when did, so she started dating him three years ago. Is that what the article said? Two years ago. Two years ago. So he was 33. And no, she was he was 35 at the time. Oh god. She was yes. 22. So she was a 22-year-old dating a 35-year-old who still had aspirations 
of becoming an influencer, not an influencer. It's not gonna happen for you, Aspiration. man. No, no, you know not what the internet does. The internet doesn't give a fuck about opinions and social media influencers over the age of like twenty four. <laughs> you could get into like tent reviews if you could dominate the camping tent review youtube space you'd probably pull that off i mean you're basically you are basically (laughs) limited to like having a show on fox nation if you want to be an influencer and you're over the age of 30 as a as a guy it's not great not 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 looking so great they both worked at an amazon warehouse near her home in lancaster california the situation ship he wanted to be a social media influencer and he was walking around picking products like he was just he was filling orders thinking oh man if this instagram account can only take off and the situation ship as she aptly called it was very embarrassing but she continued to date him until january of this year i knew i i knew he had a podcast but i had never listened to it she said i was like okay i like this man i'm already ignoring his social media presence i'm just going to forget he has a podcast there's so much going on with this guy. That's so weird. <laughs> so he had he obviously had a social media presence because he wanted to be an influencer and she's ignoring it outright. Like, all right, right. I'm sorry, it's it's 2023 or 2021 when this happens. When I meet someone just in life, the first thing I do is go find out if they're on Twitter or they're on Facebook and any takes that I'm interested in, anything going on here. And it does feel like she's actively avoiding it as if she knows she's not going to like what she finds <laughs> that's kind of what i'm reading into this <laughs> things when fi- things were fine when they were together so long as ms roberson didn't think about his extracurriculars until one day he sent her a link to his show inviting her to listen and share her thoughts that's true of most relationships if you don't think about the extracurriculars everything's all right usually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until one day he sent her a link to his show inviting her to listen and share her thoughts what she heard turned her off. Do they, say, do they say what the show is about? No. Oh. For Ms. Roberson, it wasn't just the content of the man's podcast, but that he had one at all. Well, this is, this is inconsistent to me, right? Because it's like, it bothered. So she's saying it's about him having one at all. But in the previous paragraph, it was, it really turned her off when she listened to an episode. Right. So if it bothered her that he had the podcast at all, why wasn't this just out of pocket when like, oh, I met this guy. He's got a podcast. Sorry, I've got a hard line. I don't date podcasters or influencers. Don't listen to it. I don't know. It it just feels feels inconsistent. Like if you if 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 what matters is that he has one at all, it shouldn't matter what the content of it is. This is all vaguely like this is a there's an allegory here for like a weird sexual kink, isn't there? It's that like, you know. If I don't think about the fact that this guy's into, you know, something weird, maybe I can not deal with it. But then he keeps pressuring me to try and do this weird thing. And then so I finally I tried it, except in this case, it's just listening to an episode of a radio show. (laughs) I always wonder too, like, what if it was really good? Would it change her opinion? Like, what if he was just crushing it on, like, I don't know, takes on her favorite TV show? (laughs) Would would it have changed her, her opinion? Like many other women, she associates the, fo- the form with a certain kind of man. One who is endlessly fascinated by his own opinions, Check. Loves, loves the sound of his own voice, Check. and isn't the least bit shy about offering unsolicited opinions on masculinity, sexuality, and women. I want to say, 
those are three topics I don't think we've ever offered an opinion on. Well, until I mean, now. Until now. Let's go, baby. <laughs> what, what, what are the three? Masculinity? Masculinity, sexuality, and women. All right, so I'll take masculinity. Kevin, you take sexuality. Grayson, you take women. We're offering the hottest take on the topic right now. One, two, three. Let's not get canceled on three. My hottest take on sexuality? Jesus Christ, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just want to say what, what all, kind of, what kind of I awful... love all women. All, right, all so... women are beautiful and fascinating and special creatures. And dreaded lions are just doing okay. it right. <laughs> it's the muscles and the dreadlocks that really do it for me. Um, so here's the real question. So this is from the New York Times, right? I think it is. Yes. All right. And the podcast was on the topics of masculinity, sexuality, and women, right? What are the right. odds she's this dating is a bad someone? Dude, podcast. What are the odds she's dating someone at Barstool? Um, I don't think very high, but I do think that we're that you're. I I do think that you're in the ballpark of what kind of, what yeah. kind of thing it is. It's not and woke. That's I feel like we can go yeah. ahead and say that. <laughs> I would say that's. I'd say best case scenario is it has a barstool sensibility. <laughs> it's like if it's like if this is all a big reveal to like I should I'm dating Dave Portnoy. I mean, a the he's lying about his age. He's not 35, and um, it changes the tenor of the story a little bit. Then in that case. Yeah, but they're picking things at the Amazon warehouse. This is nobody <laughs> successful at the podcasting business. <laughs> On TikTok, hashtags like hashtag men with podcasts gather videos of mostly women using a beard filter to satirize the sorts of things male podcast hosts say, such as, why as a man are you born in the month of February? Great or, question. <laughs> That's the problem with women who read. Others have I mean, I've, said, them. I've said that frequently. Oh no! <laughs> I said, yeah. If I've you want, if you have a woman in your life that wants to read, leave a review of the podcast and get her a copy <laughs> of Play On by Becky Zimmerman. <laughs> I've always said that the problem with women who read is that there aren't enough strong uh, female protagonists in popular novels, and that uh, women authors don't get enough opportunities. It's very brave of you to say, Grayson. Yes. I applaud you for that take. <laughs> others, have, <laughs> others have called them to put down the mics and get a job. Well, this guy has a job. He works at Amazon. He's right. ahead of the game. <laughs> I mean, not everyone can earn 60 cents an episode. So, I, you know, it's not his fault. It's only for the big leagues, baby. With the once booming podcast industry currently on the back foot. Oh, wait, what? Wait, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> wait, are podcasts not cool? Oh, shit. And hosts' reputations for self-important mansplaining having long since caught up with them. Is the podcast bro officially a persona non grata in today's dating landscape? It sounds like not because she dated this guy for 13 months. Right. Yeah, it's longer than a lot of relationships. <laughs> so in interviews... Are, sorry, are, go we, ahead. are we podcast bros? No. I mean... No, we're 35 yeah 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 we're 35 <laughs> yeah yeah cool well we're all we're all married so we, we are live, we don't live in a cool place like 
Northridge, California. Let's say whatever California, which <laughs> I just will assume is some part of LA or so San Francisco. Do our wives know that they're married to podcast people? Hmm. I don't. I don't identify as a podcast person. A pod person. I identify as a person with a podcast. <laughs> I, the podcast comes first for me. I introduce, I introduce myself at networking events. Hi, I'm a podcast person. It's like Kevin Wallace, podcast entrepreneur. And boy, can I interest you in a sponsorship opportunity? Logan Mendoza, 23, is one of four hosts of Swee Talks, a video podcast on YouTube. This is a YouTube show, right? It's not a YouTube shows and podcasters are not the same thing. We need yeah. to point that out immediately. He said they often get direct messages from men who enjoy their content, which he described as mostly guy talk and debate. He said he didn't consider Swee Talks to be like some of the more offensive shows. At the end of the day, you want to entertain the listeners and the viewers, so to do that, you're going to have to say some crazy stuff, said Mr. Mendoza, who lives in Orange County, California. I just looked this up, by the way. Sweet Talks podcast is basically the four stupid guys you didn't want to start a podcast, but then you realize they're actually good at it and have amazing guests. Cool. They have 12 million views. <laughs> 12 million, 800,487. Their most recent uh, shorts is how Nick became a confident podcast host. So that's gross and sort of this weird self-serving community. But right. right. Having confidence in a podcast. Don't let the fitness industry trick you. What it takes to have a top podcast in the world. How yeah, to call your friends BS. Cheating with your best friend story. Winning $5 million from a snail. I don't understand how they're not getting more views than $12 million already. <laughs> Sometimes we'll say stuff, but we don't really fall in line with it. Sometimes we'll disagree on a topic just to have that argument with each other on the podcast and have different point of views. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. You have different points of view? God, how do you ever even manage to do a show? <laughs> Raymond Pang, a 31-year-old podcast producer and sound designer who works mostly on science shows, said he had never personally experienced romantic rejection because of his profession. In fact, he said, he was often a point of entry into conversation. About a month ago, Raymond seems like he's doing fine. He's, yeah. a, he's a producer and sound designer, which makes me question, are we supposed to be designing the sound of this podcast? Because uh, you just get whatever I do in the editing here. <laughs> so Kevin Wallace, podcast host and podcast sound producer. Yeah. That'll... A adding to the byline here. <laughs> just growing and growing. About a month ago, he started seeing someone new. But while he was single, he presented himself as an audio producer. As someone who has also worked in public radio, he felt the audio label encompassed both jobs. I feel like I've been able to position myself away from the terrible man corner of podcasting, he said in an, he said in an interview. But I mean, Pang, why, wouldn't he just, why wouldn't he just lead off with the fact that he worked for NPR? Doesn't that like NPR guy and podcast, bro, that, that's like the Chad and the Verge of like, that's the two opposite ends of the spectrum right here, right? Also, aren't all NPR shows podcasts with sponsors in the middle? Like... It feels like they'd rather you listen to them in podcast form than on the radio half the time. Mr. Pang said he didn't know of many people who work in audio who would call themselves podcasters, though given the unappealing idea that anybody can be a podcaster. 
it could be <laughs> yeah, that's, that you that's, work at, we're, we're proof enough of yeah, that facts it could mean that you work at this american life or it could mean that you record a podcast with a bunch of your friends to talk about the latest week of football games or something like that or worse like misogynistic stuff he said <laughs> there's a there's lot the three, in between those two topics though it's <laughs> the, th the three things there's this american life a guy's talking about football or something like that and uh misogynistic stuff i'm so glad we fell in the middle of that spectrum <laughs> although i'm glad he, I'm glad he didn't just say two options where he's right. like well you could be this american life or you could be andrew tate Right. So what we what I'm hearing what we really need to do is that we need to do one episode in all three styles. We should do in the next episode this American lifestyle talking about FC Cincinnati, and then we need to do an episode where it's nothing but misogynistic takes. And let's see where the downloads that let, let's let the voters decide with their uh, with their downloads. I the problem is we all know damn well which one would get more downloads, <laughs> and I don't want to peek behind that curtain. I'm not doing an NPR voice, all right? I'm not whispering into bro, this microphone. Bro, did you see her last night, bro? <laughs> the problem, bro, is you meet these women, and they all think the same, okay? They only have three thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like a part of that like uh, pickup artist like online community type thing it's very weird it's very or like, weird do you remember tucker max yes yeah 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 it just it feels like that everything they're describing in this is it's just the the persona that they are creating in this article is that every podcaster is wannabe tucker max still and i just don't think that's the case i mean am i just not going to the right corners of the internet and this is still incredibly prevalent the answer to that question is probably yes, but these guys got 12 million views and their last couple of videos had like 700,000 views. That's beating most cable TV shows <laughs> like beating every MLS game yes. on TV. Yeah. God, I'd, let me, let me read I'd, the last I'd, paragraph. I'd, I'd sell out for that. I would. <laughs> let me let me read the last paragraph and then um, we can kind of give our our final thoughts on this. Please. Um, for her part, Ms. Roberson the Cal State student, said that after her experience, she would never again date a man in podcasts. Absolutely not. And I'm going to call bullshit on that because you know who, you know who is in podcasts? Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell you what, I have a podcast and I don't want to date her. Mostly because I'm married, but... <laughs> also, I'm, we're too old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently was, not for her. <laughs> Maybe she should try to date one of the Sweet Talks guys. They're the same age bracket. <laughs> I do. It is concerning, though, to think that how accessible permanently recording your adolescent thoughts are is that there is there is some like irreparable harm being done to people's future selves by their current or even past selves by just recording this. Like we've all had those like, you know, drunken dorm room conversations or debates or things like that. And yeah, if that was just on the internet forever associated with your name, and even if it, you know, was within the PC boundaries of the time, just inevitably over time, you are going to have run over a speed bump that you should not have. And your career is done, depending on what field you're in. Right. Like it's a bad it's a bad place to be. Yeah. So I think that. First of all, I think the article like. Kind of fizzles out a bit, but. um, The for the woman to. 
this guy with you know a million red flags on him, right? To <laughs> yes. just pick out like, oh, the problem with him is he had a podcast. It's like she was basically dating the guy from Cat Person. And then it'd be like if you were the girl in Cat Person and your takeaway was like guys who wear hats indoors. <laughs> that's a no no. It's, it's it's not the uh uh it's it, it's not the narcissism, it's not the ego on him, it's not the delusions of grandeur. It's the podcast that is clearly the issue here. Not the fact that he's a 35-year-old who is trying to date 22-year-olds. Right. So I asked I asked ChatGPT, what is a podcast, bro? <laughs> podcast, bro, is a slang term used to describe the type of person who is dedicated listener of podcasts, particularly those that focus on topics oh. such as sports, politics, comedy, or pop culture. This term is often associated with young, white, educated men who are tech savvy and use podcasts as a way to stay informed and engage with current events and popular culture. Some characteristics of a podcast borough might include a love of debate, a desire for intellectual stimulation, and an interest in sharing their opinions and insights with others. However, it is worth noting this term can be used in a derogatory way to criticize attitudes or behaviors associated with this group, such as elitism and self-importance. By that definition, podcast bro just sounds like a member of society. <laughs> I think one of the definitions in there was like informing people, right? Yeah. So we're we're, we're clear. Yeah, we're not. We're good on that front. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was um, worried there for a second. Did I mishear you? Was it did it turn it around and put it on the listener? It's sure somebody did. who listens to these. Yeah. So take that, listener. Right. You're yeah. the podcast You're bro. You're the podcast now. bro, right? <laughs> take that, Pod Save America. Maybe that wait, maybe that's why she had to break up with this guy. Cause the second he listen, made her listen to his podcast, <gasps> he turned her into oh. a podcast bro. Holy shit. What if what if her ex-boyfriend was that guy who's who worked in the Obama administration and um, took a job running union busting for Amazon. <laughs> oh, no, there it, was it a is. Union, oh, it was a union busting podcast. And she realized that yeah. he was a, he was a scab. He was a plant from the company by listening to this podcast. He outed 35 himself. 35 makes a lot of sense now. He's, he's out there on the floor. Hey, guys, doesn't the manager suck? Should we <laughs> sign some of these cards? <laughs> no, it was, it was, he was a union buster. Oh no! I know he's collecting names to then write don't, them don't all. You guys, he doesn't go to like, the union. <laughs> he's out there like, don't you guys appreciate that we can speak directly to management, and then you know, we get paid based on you know how productive we are. You know, I heard the union came in over on the East Coast, and all of a sudden things got a lot worse. Your paycheck is going to support causes you don't like. Do you endorse that political candidate? Your money will. Uh, Do you know what you see what the, the president of the Teamsters makes every year? <laughs> a lot more than you and me, I'll tell you that. Well, oh, I guess I should I have to tell my wife that she's married to a podcast, bro. Now this is gonna be tough. This is gonna be a tough conversation after this. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, let's wrap this episode up, if you can believe we're still going, with a uh, with a couple of uh, uh, hot hits here, a quick, yeah, quick take of, hot takes. A couple of quick hits that I found just to get some reaction on. Um, first off, quick hitter, Seattle allowed to train at Mercy Health when they were here in town. Kevin, I know that you uh, <laughs> kind of got dunked on a little bit online, so I'll let you take lead on this. 
How do you feel about FC Cincinnati allowing opposing teams to train at their world class <laughs> facilities? I I understand that people said that Seattle let us train there so we should return the favor, but my question remains the same. Why would Seattle let us train there? Like the Miami Dolphins came to town and had to like practice at Nippert Stadium in front of all of the UC student body. Uh, you've seen teams having to train at high school stadiums in any number of sports where they're doing this. I don't understand why we would go out of our way, gentlemen's agreement or not, to make it easier for them to beat us. Like that's also that's their goal that they're training towards, right? Like, well, last year in the Open Cup, Sacramento notoriously had to train at like a public park in Orlando. Yes. Yeah. And that was funny and like good on Orlando and might have helped them win a trophy last year, which is, again, the point of the competition. So I don't know why that is the case. Uh, MLS rules are online and it doesn't mention trading training facilities or needing to make access the same facility that you have open or whatever. So I don't know, man. That was just weird. Can I, I, offer, can I offer a stay woke here? Please. All right. If I was Seattle, I wouldn't want to use Mercy Health because Ooh. I would be worried the entire time that in the fields around Mercy Health and the trees that surround the area or attached to the building, that there are powerful cameras watching everything we do, watching the tactics. There are microphones embedded in the field recording what the coach is saying the entire time. And that there is just a underground bunker in Milford that this is all being fed to. And that that is linked directly to Pat Noonan's palatial estate. And that by the end of the training session, all of the video and everything that's being said on the field is being uploaded to the Noonan uh, Plex, the Noonan Central Computer, and is breaking down all the tactics and analyzing everything that was said. You know what's annoying is that they probably didn't do anything like that. Like, I mean, they won, the, they won the game and Seattle didn't have a good offensive chance the entire time. It's almost like they knew what was coming. Mm, all right. Probably a lot of birds out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it flies at spies. We know that. I learned that of, last uh, week. Awkwardly no, I just, flapping wings. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, you know, I, I had the same question originally, but then uh, Rui Diaz complained on his Instagram story about having to drive all the way out to Milford. So I think it was good. <laughs> all right. So there was that. Uh, next on the quick hitter list, a new arena for the Cincinnati community brought to you by our good friend. That's right. Jeffrey Birding, FC Cincinnati co-CEO Jeff Birding wants a new uh, Cincinnati arena and wants a third party study to be done to help us build it. This was in the business courier by noted insufferable human Chris Wetterich. Your thoughts on a potential new arena being built in Cincinnati and Jeff Birding once again leading the charge for a new facility at taxpayer expense. I have two thoughts on this. The first one is four, 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 because Birding got Paycor Stadium built. The same yep. tax money was used to build Great American Ballpark, yep. got TQL Stadium built. Yep. Keep it going, baby. Let's get an arena. I don't know if uh, pickleball is going to keep on its trajectory, but let's get a professional pickleball stadium at some point with Jeff. Uh, they are building, I believe, the second largest indoor pickleball facility in the country out in Mason. 
get Jeff on the horn. I mean, we can we can keep this going. I don't know what role he played in the uh, the the tennis facility out in Mason as well. Carl but I Linder. Assume, I'll bet I, there was. I'll bet that he was involved in that some way. I assume so. Um, so that was my first thought: is go go baby go. Uh, the second thought is this is just Jeff speaking out loud as a private citizen. It didn't seem like his name was attached to anything other than. I guess FCC, but I don't think FCC wants an arena, right? I mean, <laughs> maybe. I don't think. But... I don't think. I don't think that they would be too thrilled if all of a sudden an NBA team or an NHL team showed up and wanted to have a, a franchise here. It's competition. Fair. Well, he was he was at at a meeting of Visit Cincinnati, where Jeff is the uh, board chair okay. of that group. Okay, Visit Cincinnati, and I don't know what Visit Cincinnati is. I can only assume that it's the greater Cincinnati region's version of Davos. Where it's like uh, the world economic forum with Klaus Schwab. Like you right, own no arena and love it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's a, uh, uh, so it's just like every like rich person in the, in the area. <laughs> it's the greatest collection of Bentleys per floor of a uh, of a parking garage that you'll find anywhere this so side the, of the Mississippi. <laughs> so this is the part where I play. I heard from a, a little birdie that was probably a drone wearing a bird suit um, that <laughs> that this arena is is part of a big push that's going to go along with the renovation of the convention center, which apparently our convention center desperately needs it. I haven't been in the convention center since Reds Fest, and I haven't been to the Reds Fest since the Reds were good. So <laughs> it's been it's a while. Been a, it's been a while. <laughs> but that um, the goal eventually is to build a new arena that has a tunnel connecting it to the convention center so that you can use the arena floor as additional space for whatever event that you're looking to host here in Cincinnati. I don't know. I, I it's, I've been told by a ton of people that I believe would have no reason to lie to me that this is going to happen. But I just, I have a, I have this mental block in my head. Am I the only one here that like, I don't understand building an arena when you don't have an NBA or an NHL team. It just seems like a strange waste of money and make no mistake with FC Cincinnati here, this city cannot support a fourth professional franchise. It's Awesome that we got a third one. If you look at cities that have four professional sports teams, they are a lot bigger significantly than Cincinnati is. Stay woke. Reds relocation. We're back to three teams, baby. We'd be two, <laughs> two at that point, just the Bengals and FCC. Well, and I oh, mean, assuming you had the new one. Yeah, the new some team. NHL yeah. or NBA team, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then know. you take, take down Great American, take down that Riverfront Arena. A lot of new real estate pops up. Also, the Bengals lease is about to come up too, so there would be another avenue as well, potentially for a sports relocation. Maybe the Bengals become a indoor dome team in the well, arena. That's, the, that's, that's <laughs> what they should have done all along. All right, around the horn, real quick on this story. Uh, let's flash forward. Today is um, Today is Thursday, March 16th, as this episode is being released on 2023. By March 16th, 2020, let's say 2028, will there be a new arena in downtown Cincinnati, Grayson? 2028? 28, five years. No. Kevin? I'll say yes, but can I hedge and say I will also take a renovation of the existing arena? So you can't give me both of those. 
Fun story about that. You can't do it because that arena is owned by a private corporation, the Nederlander Corporation, which has a lot of like holdings that are like related to the fine arts, I think. They have a lot of Broadway theaters. Yeah. Mm. And um, I don't know if this is well known, but back in the 90s, when the Cyclones were super hot, when they first came into town, there was talk about moving the Hartford Whalers to Cincinnati. And they commissioned a study as to what it would take to bring the, the, I don't know what they were calling it. I think it was Riverfront Coliseum still at that point. What it would take to bring that back to spec. And the cost was so astronomical, it was cheaper to tear it down and build a new arena in its place. There is no amount of money you can sink into that building to actually make it workable at this point. See, that was going to be my point, which is if this thing becomes so expensive, you would buy them out and see if you couldn't work with the existing shell. But if the existing shell isn't workable, then. Uh, but no, I'll, t- I'll take your bet. I'll say, yeah, 2028 in five years, we have a we have an arena. So they, right. they might want to move soon. <laughs> Next big story, quick hitter. We had a bank failure this weekend, gentlemen. Silicon, hey. Valley, Va- Silicon Valley Bank failed. If you're keeping track at home, this is our first recent bank failure. What do you think the odds are that Meg Whitman had significant holdings at the Silicon Valley Bank? Really good. Pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, I gotta, I gotta say, I'm impressed at the speed at which we are bailing banks out now. Uh, it's amazing what modern technology does for a uh, for a bank, and uh, I think they were bailed out before the full extent of the damage was even known. So, well done. Now, I think the latest on that is. Um, Because I know people people have been taking issue with the semantics here. Yeah. The latest on that, I think, is making depositors whole, whole right? Okay. But not covering, you know, like the banks, the bank right. losses. Because I know this is something we're going to have to start considering as as advertising revenue grows for this podcast. But you're actually only insured up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars for your deposit, and I'm sure Meg had more money in the bank than that, assuming yes. that she had money there at all, which we don't There's know. A- a funny story was um, was raised in this context this week that I think is worth calling out. Apparently, Giannis has uh, his money spread between fifty different banks. Yeah, in, smart. Uh, and each account just is capped at two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. It's at that point you're just you're betting the American government doesn't go under, and uh, <laughs> just a little extra paperwork for you. But if it's just going to sit there, sure. <laughs> that is a man who understood the assignment right there. Um, I love a good bank failure. It just it really nothing nothing increases your faith in the modern uh, voodoo that we call economics. Where, like I this, I read this thing a long time ago where it said that like modern society is very similar to um, ancient society. The only difference now instead instead of having priests that interpret the unknowable will of the gods, we have economists that interpret the unknowable will of the economy, and they make proclamations that we all follow that end up being right about half the time. And nothing really reinforces that like, oh, a bank just went under. That's neat. Shouldn't you guys be stopping that from happening? (laughs) Right, right. I, uh, I will say, though, if they are making depositors whole, and that's the move, I will applaud that more than the uh, the original uh 2008 bank bailout where the thought was all of these people are behind on mortgages 
and the banks are failing. Let's shore up the bank accounts and let everybody die with their their terrible mortgages instead of just paying off the mortgages, which would have shored up the banks and got everybody out of the really crappy debt that they were in. <laughs> like, not to not not to wade into an issue that I I, I woefully underread on as of when is, as of when time is, of recording. When has that stopped us before? <laughs> but uh, couldn't couldn't the different treatment be explained by like? the class of the people that yeah, 100%. owed mortgages in 2008 <laughs> and the class of the people that have large accounts in the Silicon Valley Bank in 2023. That's exactly what's happening here. You you might even say the donor class to our political class had their money tied up in this bank. And so if the politicians wanted those campaign checks to keep coming in, they needed to make sure this very specific bank in particular was in a good, good can, healthy spot. <laughs> can we also talk about how is, is there a worse bank name to have to generate sympathy than Silicon Valley Bank in modern society. <laughs> like the, the picture in your head of who is investing at the Silicon Valley Bank is probably not someone you care about losing their money. <laughs> yes. Yes. I saw somebody try to try to humanize it by saying like, well, you know, there's a lot of agriculture um, in, involved in the Silicon Valley Bank because a lot of wineries <laughs> uh, keep their money there. I'm like, man, man, you had, they had us in the first half with that statement. <laughs> That's the wrong. You're not, you're not helping. No, you're not. You're not doing your job here. This is the, not. Uh... The only sympathetic voice that I've come across, and I'm sure there's hundreds of sob stories here, don't get me wrong, thousands even, um, was uh, George Qureshi, which is a name, if you are a soccer podcast bro, you may be familiar with, uh, was the original of... Uh, uh, editor-in-chief of Howler Magazine, worked with the Total Soccer Show, and was the original soccer uh, chief editor of the Athletic Soccer uh, when they started up. He left all of that to become a... He started a company called Artifact, which also advertises on podcasts. They do like at-home podcasting for like your family stories. But apparently they had a good $5 million of seed money that was locked up in this in this bank that I don't know the status of, but I assume is mostly gone at this point. So that's sad because George seems like a good guy and his dad played in the NASL for the Rowdies. So. That's a bummer. There you we're go. Big, we were documented big Rowdies fans in this podcast. We're not going to we talk are. about that because Kevin cuts all content about Tampa, unfortunately. <laughs> What's insane is I do, and there's still so much that we have that reputation. <laughs> Next up on the quick hitter, uh, this article, Cincinnati Zoo takes in exotic cat after cocaine-fueled escape from police. Uh, a serval cat is recovering at the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Gardens after a traumatic experience left it drugged and injured. Cincinnati police were arresting a man in Oakley. Uh, while that was happening, the serval named Amiri jumped out of the man's car and ran up a tree. Um, while getting the uh, cat out of the tree in the process, the cat didn't want to get out. And one of our officers who are working really hard. Uh, unfortunately, broke the cat's leg in the process, the Anderson, Ooh. the uh, person from the animal control team stated. The medical staff at Cincinnati's Animal Care tested uh, the cat's health, worked on his leg, and also conducted a toxicology report that came back with cocaine in his system. So we had an illegal cocaine cat running around Oakley. Um, how do we feel about this? It's not the cocaine bear, but I think it's almost more terrifying because I'm confident I would see a bear coming. Cats are fast, man. Like a cat can come at you from anywhere. 
I'm very much stay woke. This is a plant by the studio behind Cocaine Bear to go ahead and seed the sequel to Cocaine Bear. So that's that's where I stand on this. So this is all this is all faked. I, I didn't find Cocaine Bear conceptually charming. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's very funny. So like, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I, don't I didn't think. I didn't think the concept was that was that was that funny, and the movie seemed by by the trailer just absolutely in love with itself and just amused was, by itself as it a, is as very a snakes on, there was very snakes on a plane vibe to this i feel yeah. like yeah it, for sure it is definitely one of disney's worst mascots in years i, yeah. I agree with you <laughs> uh but I, I actually i agree with chief's take here though that um a cat on on drugs is scarier in a vacuum than a bear on drugs because bears like aren't all that bothered by people yeah but like i feel like cats are devious right if a bear is already a problem for you it has decided to become aggressive to you it being on drugs or i should say an upper uh, doesn't really (laughs) change the stakes for the encounter whereas with a cat yes it absolutely changes the equation right like what you really got to watch out for when it comes to animals that are drugged up are animals that otherwise probably wouldn't pose a threat to you in the real world like i think a a a deer on cocaine would be terrifying because a regular deer probably runs away a coked out deer might just charge at your car and like try to grab you from the inside like there's there's something fucked up about an animal that's otherwise docile on drugs cats kind of fall into that category don't need that in my life i don't think i have a story about this i don't know if you guys were aware of the fact that a couple of years ago in eden park there was a very aggressive mama deer like in between the conservatory and the uh, and the the lake there, and I was taking my dogs out for a walk. And I've got two dogs; they're two pit bulls in this case. They're not the uh, I don't know. They look relatively intimidating. If I was a deer, I don't think I would go near them. And uh, it was very creepy to be going down this very wooded path and have a deer come out and start walking slowly but aggressively towards us. And I'm having to walk backwards with my dogs who are like ready to fight. Like they are barking. (laughs) They've never seen a deer challenge them like this. And I'm like, I want no part of this. I don't know how this ends and I don't want to be a part of it. So I'm trying to walk backwards, but keep like an eye on the deer. It was very terrifying. And that was just a regular deer. And that was very, very not on, concerning. Not on cocaine that you know of. No, there's, that I know of. <laughs> there, he'd seen he'd seen someone about his problem prior to meeting you. Yeah. Um, there's there's nothing better in life than a reminder every so often that as a human, we're the top of the food chain theoretically. Yes. In practice, it doesn't quite work out that way when we're caught unsuspecting in the in the animal kingdom. You give us a moment to prepare with a gun and some stuff like that. Yeah, we got just about anything. You get us when we're reloading or that we left our gun in our other pants. It's a 50-50 shot on just about anything in the the animal kingdom. Dude, the weirdest thoughts are going through my head. I was like, okay, if I have to fight this deer, do I let the dogs go? Like, do I drop their leashes? Do I hang on to them? Do I... 
do I try to jump between them? I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> dogs have a survival instinct. You got to let the dog go and look out for number one. Like the dogs, they're, they are, they, they, nature will take care. Nature will provide for the dog. I'm 90% confident. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just weird thoughts started happening. <laughs> well, speaking of weird thoughts, last, uh, last up on the items list, this was posted to the FCC subreddit over the weekend. It drew no responses, or sorry, the Cincinnati subreddit over the weekend. Hmm. It drew no responses. It was downvoted into oblivion, but I want your take on it because I feel like this should have done a lot better. Here's the title. OTR versus Northside in a Pokemon-style battle. What are their attacks and defenses? And the caption was, you can do other neighborhoods, too. So if you're going to fight two neighborhoods in a Pokemon-style battle, what two neighborhoods would you want to fight, and what would their attacks and defenses be? I'm going to assume, for the sake of argument, Grayson, you're at least passingly familiar with Pokemon. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. We got there that we go. far. We can do, we can, good. We can do this bit, then. Kevin, who, who's fighting? I want, I mean, I'll, I'll change up the, uh, the scenery here. I really want Hyde Park versus Camp Washington. I think that gives you a lot of different, you know, different abilities, different takes, uh, but still could like, both of them could sneak up on you if you weren't, if you weren't ready for it. So what are the attacks? What's, what is, what does a Hyde Park bring is the attack command? Uh, so Hyde Park, uh, if I could get real with Pokemon moves for a second, is uh, payday where they throw <laughs> coins at the uh, the opponent, um, <laughs> which is I think always a useful skill to have. And then when, when they have, when they evolve up, it's stock, and they just throw stock certificates and equities at the yes. opposition. Yes, it's, or they, bury you in litigation, perhaps. Yes, yeah. Instead of some something like binder wrap, it's uh, it's lawsuit or slap suits or whatever and they're just <laughs> constantly you can't get out of it because you're constantly fighting it um and then for uh camp washington uh the uh the move there again to borrow from from pokemon is a pin missile uh but in this case it'll be used needles from the side of the road that are just thrown <laughs> into the air at their opponent so i think i think that one probably speaks for itself in terms of lethality and danger but yeah <laughs> right especially if they're dirty needles that would be the evolved attack grayson yes <laughs> who's battling and what are their attacks neighborhoods um i'm thinking something like indian hill okay. you know old right. old money right Old money might be the attack there, just you know. Right. Versus uh what's like a good like striver neighborhood like Montgomery? Madeira. It's like like worker, like people people who like who are doing really well but still like are working. Uh go across the river and take Fort Thomas. I feel like you get a lot of upper management in Fort Thomas, but they're still they're still clocking in every day. Yeah. What is this Oakley? Oakley also yeah. works in this space, I think. So, so high, or not high, Indian Hill, it would be like a, like a Snorlax where it's just this big fat sleeping thing that can't be bothered. Right. By you. <laughs> and then is there like a, is there like a yappy dog Pokemon? Uh, yeah. Let's think of a good one here. That would really be annoying. I mean, Growlithe is like a fire one, but he's a little, yes. he's like too, he's a little too loyal for what I think you're going for. But yeah, so I'm we thinking can go about that. like the, the Montgomery or like the Fort Thomas, uh, neighborhood, like, like working, like being really, really active. 
you know? Yeah. Like not making much of a dent into it. <laughs> yes, yes. And then like every like, you know, half dozen moves, the the you get the attention of the of the Snorlax and it gets up and just kind of smacks it down with like a <laughs> like takes off half the half the health and then yes. uh, goes back to sleep. <laughs> that's exactly that's perfect. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna switch she, this up. I'm gonna switch this up a little bit. Yeah. I like the matchup where it's strength on strength, and you've got two people, two groups that are battling for supremacy in the same airspace. That's where you really get rivalries forming. So I want Mason to fight Westchester is what I'm really looking for right here. So in okay. Mason, Mason hits you with um, minivan attack or SUV attack, where. You know, it's the soccer mom driving the yeah. SUV at high speed directly at the opposition right there. <laughs> um, Westchester, more of a defense. It's a, it's a furniture attack. It's an Ikea thing, something. They yes. throw pieces of a furniture or an Allen wrench at you, one of those as part of it. Uh, the evolved, uh, the evolution for them also is gift card shower, where it's nothing Ooh. but gift cards from chain restaurants that you can find in the Westchester area right there. So like maybe hit you with a bunch of Carabas gift cards with sharp edges, shit like that. And somebody uh, from Middletown sh shows up to join the fight, but all they have are coupons. <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately, I saw this and I clicked expecting this thread would be popping off and there wasn't a single response on this. Uh, and I have never been more disappointed in my life with the cincinnati subreddit do better this is incredible content you guys could have given us all i feel like we should come up with like uh and by we i mean please somebody else do this uh like a pokemon deck for fc cincinnati players where you give them all different moves from the uh from the card game i mean obviously make up your own moves but you could put together you know a, a strong team of fc cincinnati players with their signature moves obviously lucho would be nutmegging people and brenner would go pout or something where he disappears for a couple of turns and then comes back and beats <laughs> everybody it'll be good <laughs> we can we can work on that right after we do the board game about convincing your city to build a soccer stadium i i've always been mad and i'm sure somebody has homebrewed something but like baseball cards football cards but baseball cards obviously the the perfect ones here there needs to be some sort of game you can play that if i have whatever year of this pitcher uh their card that that is worth so much in a in an at bat but you're going up against my king griffey jr you know 1999 card and do he's, you, he's you so much better you might not remember this 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 thing existed it was popular in japan which is i don't know how i heard about it but back in the 90s there was a thing that you could attach to your game boy I want to say, yeah. and what it was, was it was a barcode reader mm. and it would scan the barcode of just products and it would generate stats to like create like a Tamagotchi or some shit like that, <laughs> that you could then use to fight against other people. And so the thing was, it was like figuring out and it had some algorithm or some thing trick that it used to make this up. But it turned out that like some hair care product was the best possible barcode that anyone found. And it created a run on that product in Japan for people buying it so they could have access to whatever this high like code was that you could get. So it was it was almost like the first 
augmented reality or yeah. like geo yeah, type kinda, thing. yeah like almost like the first pokemon go where you were hunting for real life objects to like make your video game character better i thought that was cool as shit it never caught on in america obviously I love that. I mean, the sad thing is today's technology is way too easy to fake your own barcode. But but I love that idea. I really like that idea. Please, if anybody, one, if you're still listening to the podcast at this point, God bless you. And two, uh, if you have a homebrew baseball card game that I can put together, assemble some sort of team and play somebody else's team, I really want to know the rules and the mechanics of that because that sounds really fun. it has to exist. It has to exist. All right. Uh, gentlemen, is that going to do it for the uh, the Postcast Thursday episode? We you, uh, Who do we play this weekend? Oh, oh my God. Chicago we do Fire. To, Chicago, Chicago Fire. Fire. Quickly. Let's, let's predict and preview this. They're terrible. As Grayson mentioned earlier uh, in the week, their two attackers are on red cards. Let's assume that those aren't rescinded for any reason in the uh, intervening days uh chief give me a prediction uh three nil fc cincinnati i think this is the game the offense like brenner got his first goal last weekend um this is the game they break out i have a good feeling about this weekend hopefully res is able to play it sounds like he's returning to training i hope by the time we record this um so yeah give me a big win for fc cincinnati this weekend they this is a statement win for the offense this time whereas last weekend was the defense grayson what do you got i was gonna say three nothing but let's make it four nothing there we go <laughs> I, I it's agree. a wagon it's a wagon i have the same exact thought i think this is when it comes together um I love all of these. I was also thinking a three or or four nothing win. Uh, I will just go ahead and piggyback off of what we said back in December because unfortunately this feels more right at the moment. A two to one victory at Chicago Fire. Um, we get going, but maybe we give up a dumb one. Yeah, <laughs> the loss of Hagland catches up with us finally. Murphy shows his rust in one definitive moment. <laughs> there you go. There's uh, our FC Cincinnati content right there. <laughs> boom. Win, win, win. We're all predicting Soccer wins. podcast. We did it. Cherry on top. All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, fuck the New York Times. <laughs> and Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.